Hey friends, and welcome back to the dinner table. I'm so glad you guys joined us. And I'm so glad to have my friend Andrew Edelin here with me today. Hello, and thanks for having me. Thanks for having you back, right? Yes, we started <laughs> this journey a few weeks ago. Yeah, exactly. We actually decided to meet, I don't know, several weeks ago. Uh, your wife was actually here too. And we took a tour of the farm and we talked all kinds of like planning stuff. And we, you uh, bone deboned a, a rabbit a for rabbit, me yes. and I made chicken and dumplings and you helped me do some instant pot corn. And we're going to talk about all of that, like food stuff in just a minute. Something was happening where every time we were trying to get together, like the stars weren't aligning. And I don't really know what that was about, but mm -hmm. the way I feel about interesting things like that, and a lot of people don't even think about that kind of stuff. Like they just don't, like it just is what it is. But it's got to be, to me, it's always got to be like there's a reason why that particular thing wasn't aligning when you thought it was supposed to align. Instead, it's going to align when it's supposed to align, you know, and you can't control that. And so I thought that was really interesting. And so thank you for coming back. Thank you for being patient. No problem. I am built of patience. Uh, right? That's the farmer in us, or kind of watching things and being willing to sit back and put seeds in the ground that we may not even be able to harvest for 100 days. There's, mm -hmm. a, there's absolutely a patience in that. And so it was funny because that first time recording something and then asking somebody, like record for 30 minutes and then asking somebody, okay, that didn't work. So now we have to do it again. <laughs> and the the flub of it all was that the um, actual uh, browser that I use, this Spotify for podcasters, they were having an issue with the Google Chrome uh, mm -hmm. app, basically. And so I actually learned something from that experience. I learned a few things. Number one, I, cr I, I record in smaller segments now. So that way that I can check to make sure so I don't have a guest that's sitting there for 30 minutes and then I'm like, okay, now we have to do that all over again and start over from scratch. So I do smaller segments of recording. But I also learned that one of the things that I'll need to check is if there's an issue with one of the apps, um, try one of the different, try a different app. So mm -hmm. um, just basically use a different browser is um, one of the things that they suggested for the future. Um, but it is fascinating because the way today's world works with at the applications we're using, um, they're moving so fast that they're not always keeping up with what they are telling people across the board they're keeping up with. And then there's just this one little bloop and you're like, uh, okay, now what do I do? You know? yeah. And so that's what was happening. And then, uh, and then another week later I had issue with the, the internet, which is also kind of an interesting thing. Who is y'all's internet provider where you are? Cause you're rural as like, like we are. Yes. I believe G tech. You use G tech also. Yes. Yeah. So we use G tech and G tech is like, the rural provider basically. Mm -hmm. And, um, they have a lot to keep up with. They have a huge amount of, you know, and what I learned is that they don't really have enough technicians to keep up with the number of mm -hmm. people that they're servicing. And so they were like, yeah, we're going to be out in a week. And I was like, yeah, no, like I have a business that I run online and mm -hmm. half my business is my online content streaming and all the things that I do. And the other half of my business is the farm. And so it's like, okay, well, I can't just stop doing the work that I need to be doing. Correct. I can't not go update orders on the website, you know, things like that still have to occur. I have to keep things going. And so I kind of uh, hassled them enough that it, it, it changed really quick. Excited, excited about that for you guys. But do tell us um, a little bit about kind of the summer plans that you're making right now for fall planting. Those are some of the things we were talking about before when we sat down and mm -hmm. did some looking at the calendars and talking about some distribution things. What is it that you're planning to get ready for the fall um, with all the production you'll have in the fall? Well, it's already time to... Some of the plants that could sit in, a, say, a four-inch pot or sit in just a pot to keep them cool, not out in the field, mm -hmm. it's time to start doing those. Maybe some tomatoes. Mm -hmm. If you do onions by seed, I think it's time also. Yeah. Um, maybe some eggplants, some peppers. Mm -hmm. But I also, I mean, I play with the idea that down here, everyone's going to kind of get those plants going all at the same time. Mm -hmm. And so the market, the farmer's market... Uh, any avenue that people buy their vegetables from us, they're going to be overwhelmed with all the same vegetables from all the same producers. Yep. And all I, at once. Yes. And uh -huh. I have those high tunnels. So I tried to, uh, I've spent four years learning yeah. and now 
my wife is finally going to be full-time on the farm uh-huh. and that's going to be her main thing is in the garden. Yeah. Um, I'll manage it on the paper side mm-hmm. and give her a good calendar and then mm-hmm. she'll go knock that out. But with the high tunnels, I'm like, well, let's pull back a month or two and mm-hmm. everyone gets tomatoes, October, November. Mm-hmm. Let's aim for ripening tomatoes, December, January, February. Yep. Which I did a really good crop two or three years ago. And it all depends on when that first hard freeze hits. Yes. I mean, but you gamble yeah. with it and you're patient. Yes. <laughs> and I'm I'm able to take some of the freezes with the high tunnels. And then I've lost sometimes only tomatoes and kept everything else because yeah. they're the least freeze tolerant. Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm looking at all that stuff the same way. And part of what I do is I try to keep that, those plants alive through the summer so that I can maintain that stuff and it just starts setting again right away at the beginning of the fall. Um, yes. That's a little bit of how I handle it. And I, I want to get there too because I could take the plastic off our tunnels, put the mm-hmm. shade on. Mm-hmm. But I don't. Something happens. The first year I had the tunnels, I think I was getting married uh-huh. in may and june and building a house so we didn't get anything planted in the spring yeah so that was a dry summer and this summer i just didn't plant in the spring because i knew i was going to have a baby and it would all die anyway so why why do the extra work up front yeah so i haven't been able to play very well with over summering Uh our crops yeah Yeah. but i believe i have good potential to um even if some are not flowering and producing i should be able to easily keep tomatoes alive and Uh Yeah. Let them, as soon as Mother Nature says it's time to put on a flower, everyone else has six to 10 inch tomato plants. Yes. And then I yes. have a six foot plant that could throw out flowers and take off. That's my goal. That's how I do it. And that's how I count on that. And then it gives me the bumper crop that that's, and then I might, and then I might put in some more tomato plants that were kind of small, you know, right there at the beginning of the the fall. But then um, I, those other ones start setting almost right, uh, right away. Um, I do see that like things coming in big bunches all at the same time. Everybody has the exact same things. Mm-hmm. And then so and that's part of the reason of me trying to get a little bit more diverse and in, in trying different types of things, learning like nobody's really. Well, that's not true. There is some somebody that is trying to grow some celery. But like that was one of the things I was like, celery is pretty sparse. There's not a lot of celery. OK, so what can I do? Can I learn how to grow celery down here? What, what is the hoop house? What, you're using a 50 percent shade cloth. Yes, right now, or you My, have a lower? I had 130 and 150 when I bought them, brand uh-huh. new. That was three years ago. My 50 took a bunch of wind damage last year, so I'm only with a 30 right now. I have two 50s, hopefully in the mail, yeah. and they'll stay on till November at least. Yes. Yeah, I think that's fascinating to be able to see, like, what's actually working um i'm uh, the way i'm handling watering i don't have the drip irrigation like you're talking about um i have uh, i flood my beds and so i i create deep swales um mm-hmm. and then try to fill them with mulch if i can or at least a um, compost in place kind of situation and then i basically go every single garden has a hose that runs to it and i pick one or two sections or a section of the garden and I run water in it for a couple of hours and let it flood up and fill up those swales. And then I turn it off for the day. Mm-hmm. And um, I do that on, you know, in basically in four different places. And then I do, I just try to do that every day for a couple. I mean, but I'm going from, well, two of my beds are using, or two of my spigots are using well water and two of my spigots are using city water. And so that increases my city water bill like, It's actually technically, it's not city water. It's co-op water, but you know, like we're paying a water bill. Mm -hmm. So I went from spring, no watering whatsoever to that. It's going to double our water bill, like boom, like so easily. I'll be curious to see how that turns out. I mean, speaking of water, I'm, I've been rattling around the idea for a year or two about harvesting rainwater, how to do it. Yeah. I mean, we got a lot of metal roof on our farm Uh huh. and I want to try to start, uh, this coming year, take some crops away from the main farm next to a very large barn we had from row crop farming mm-hmm. um, and somehow harvest that rainwater. But I want to do, I think right now I want to do a hundred foot row of 
maybe table grapes if I could find a decent one for South Texas. Yeah. And we're going to try the Victoria ones. You suggested, okay. you said that you had found where we're definitely after this year of grapes being as fantastic as they are, yes. we're going to try those and we're going to try one other variety as well. I'll let you our, know our plant is doing very well. We only had one, uh, grape bundle bundle. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. Uh, put on the plant this year. It's still, it's only been in the ground mm -hmm. a year and a quarter for us. Yeah. Uh, but I'm going to take those three downspouts off the hundred foot length of barn mm -hmm. and pipe them to go, uh, right at the base of all those plants. So then I'll use like a similar to like a septic drain field, how they have the pipes, the PVC pipe with the holes mm -hmm. every couple inches. I'll run that along the length of the grapes and kind of let it self water as it's raining. Mm -hmm. But I do also want to put a tank that's holding anywhere from five to 20,000 gallons of water. So it secures yes. it for you for another time. Yes. Yeah. Correct. Great. I can't wait to hear how that turns out because I'm learn. I learn. we learn a lot from each other. We all learn a lot mm -hmm. from each Well, the other thing that we're learning a lot about together and you're about a year ahead of me is um, rabbits. And so when I suggested that you come and be a part of the dinner table talk, let come have dinner with us. Uh, let's talk about dinner. Let's cook dinner. You know, the whole thing. You said, can I bring a rabbit? And yes. I was like, absolutely. <laughs> let's bring a rabbit. So that gave us the opportunity to try out some rabbit together. Um, and of course, talk about rabbit and what we're doing with all that on the podcast. So the meal that we made together a few weeks ago uh -huh. <laughs> was uh, basically, it was an autoimmune protocol version of chicken and dumplings. But instead of using chicken, I used rabbit. And it's a very simple recipe. It actually, I thought it turned out really good. What did, did you think? Yeah. I thought it was good. My wife asked for the dumpling recipe later. Yeah. Uh, I was surprised because she's not a fan of coconut and that was kind of coconut based. Yes, exactly. And she loved it. Good, good. Yep. And the chicken, I mean, the rabbit is really interchangeable for chicken. Almost yeah. any way you cook it. I kind of think it has a better flavor though. Like That's... there's more flavor to rabbit than chicken. You know, yes, Kaylin did say she, I think, I think she likes rabbit more and I was surprised I got her to eat it so easily. <laughs> nice. That's good. Well, she's, she seems like she's all in. That's the feeling I get from all of that. And, yes. um, of course the, so this recipe was, uh, olive oil, a yellow onion. Of course I'm using the onions from here at the farm, uh, celery. I grew a lot of celery last year, was able to use that from the farm carrots I used from here. And then, of course, you deboned the rabbit for me. Mm -hmm. So we had that ready to go. And I cooked the rabbit in the Instant Pot, just like I would have cooked a chicken in the Instant Pot. Very similar. Um, you, I, I think you brought it to me frozen, right? Or a little bit still frozen, uh, maybe? I took it out of the freezer that morning, and so yeah. it was half defrosted somewhere Perfect. in there. So I was able to just throw that in the Instant Pot right after they got here, get that cooked, and then you know started the process. So it really didn't take that long to make this whole thing, um, gar garlic cloves, salt, onion powder, garlic powder, uh, some fresh sage I used from the farm, fresh thyme, and then it called for bone broth. I did use some chicken bone broth that I had, and then the coconut cream, you mentioned that there was some coconut in it and some chives on top for garnishing. And that was the, like, the base, the soup part of it. And then I made the grain-free dumplings, and the grain-free dumplings were made out of coconut flour, cassava flour, arrowroot flour, salt, baking soda, cream of tartar, and then coconut milk as well. And that's how you make the little balls. And I, the first time when uh, Joe and I made this recipe, made chicken and dumplings, um, I thought that the dumplings, and I don't know if he used this exact same recipe, but I thought that they were a little bit uh, gummy. Um, and I actually thought these turned out really good. I wouldn't really, I mean, they were a little bit chewier than maybe a normal dumpling. Very similar. You're like, I, you're <laughs> yeah. like, I wouldn't have known the difference. Yeah. yeah. Very similar. Yeah. Do you, I mean, do you think if I had served that to you and not said these are like completely grain free and this whole recipe is like an autoimmune, would you even known? No, <laughs> I would have <laughs> like, just, oh, that's a, delicious. <laughs> that, that recipe has been in the family for 50 years. That's yeah. a homemade recipe. <laughs> cool. We don't have preservatives and flavor ad additives in there. Right. It's exactly. really homemade is yeah. probably what I would have thought. Yeah. Well, and that's, that's exactly the case. And so it's nice to be able to know that there is 
um, a lot of recipes. As a matter of fact, that is really what I teach when I do my food as medicine cooking classes. And so I try to do a food as medicine cooking class, um, you know, once a month, that kind of thing. Um, so you guys keep an eye out on the website and on my emails that are going out. If you're interested in being on my email list, you can go to acelandcampbell.com and it's going to ask you really quickly if you want to sign up for uh, my email. And then that'll give you an update on any of the classes and things I'm doing. And then we also did um, some corn that day. And corn is a grain. I haven't really introduced grains, but I that day I had some fresh corn from a local farm and um, we served that up next to the big pot of dumplings and rabbit. And we made those in the instant pot. You helped me out, kind of, you know, send these guys over here and, mm -hmm. and, and do work on this thing. It was really simple. It said cut, you know, we didn't have to do any of this because it was already done, but it said cut the ends off of the ears of the corn and then uh, place the little trivet inside of your instant pot, put a cup and a half of water, stack the ears up, uh, turn the pressure manual on, select two to three minutes. When the cooking cycle is finished, turn the steam release knob to venting position to do a quick release. And that was very simple. And we, I didn't, I, I realized though, when we sat down to eat, I was like, well, I don't have butter for people that might eat butter. <laughs> I like had literally nothing to like put on them. But so we literally ate a corn cob with some salt shake uh -huh. on I top of it. Didn't notice we were missing butter. <laughs> you didn't notice we were missing anything. No. Like, seemed to be good. Yeah. You're a pretty easygoing guy, Andrew. I, I appreciate that. <laughs> <laughs> I am. But I really loved that meal and I thought it was really good. And um, it got us to have kind of a first taste of uh, rabbit. I, I've eaten rabbit before. There's um, a couple of people at the farmer's market that they weren't selling it, but like whenever they would process a few rabbits, they would let people like me and other people they knew that were really interested in rabbit know. Mm -hmm. And then we'd just come pick it up and they'd have them, you know, vacuum sealed and frozen and all of that yes. kind of stuff. I did now, sell my first one at the farmer's market. Congratulations. There's just talking with customers. I mean, I'm, yeah, I guess the cus the customers I conversate with more, they'll mm -hmm. stand there for five minutes. Yeah. I've, mentioned it in the past yeah. six months and there's been a lot of people more than i thought people yeah. wanting them yeah but we do i mean yeah. as good as it is it needs to be a norm uh-huh yeah it we'll, does we'll get there we'll get there um tell me about before we get digging into actually raising rabbits and some of the things we've run into some of the things you've run into and then you and i processing rabbits together not yes. too long ago um I want you messaged me the other day that you cooked the rabbit a different way. Yes. Tell me uh, about that. One of the ones we processed, I took the biggest one mm -hmm. and I uh, split it down the, I guess, sternum mm -hmm. and then the back pelvis bone. I split that open so you could kind of flatten it out on a mm -hmm. grill grate. And I smoked it for, I think, between two and three hours. Mm -hmm. And it felt, when you were eating it, it felt like, something you cooked for 24 uh, chicken you cooked for 24 hours in a crock pot it just fell apart it was so soft interesting so good it um, was good yes and on a smoker and it and wasn't dry or mealy no, or yeah it wasn't and uh i mean looking at it the outside seemed dry mm -hmm. uh i forget exactly how i did it i might have kept some kind of moisture on it mm -hmm. um <laughs> but then it, it turned out fantastic. I was a little scared taking it yeah. off because the outside did look dry, but it was great. And what did you serve that up with? I don't remember. Or what did Kaylin <laughs> Pro serve that probably, up with? Probably okra because <laughs> yeah. uh, we got a lot of okra off, off the farm right now. Yeah. Um, we still had zucchini at the time, so maybe some zucchini. Yeah, I, that's what we're eating with yeah. everything. Yeah. <laughs> it it blends into all the other meals, I'm not sure. My stuff is, uh, I'm eating a lot of green beans, and of course mm -hmm. I'm still eating a lot of squash. And I noticed that, um, or Kaylin mentioned that she had been doing a lot of pickling squash. Yes? Yes. Uh, so someone was buying squash off of me last year, mm -hmm. and oh, what are you doing with that much of it? Another vendor. Mm-hmm. Oh, I was going to go home and pickle it. We didn't have a great crop. Mm -hmm. Oh, well, here, I'll give you 20 pounds. You bring me back a couple jars to try. Yeah. And so I got uh, half a case to a case, and they kept a couple cases once they finished. Uh-huh. It was really good. I didn't know pickled squash was that good. Yeah. And so this year, I mean, as soon as the overabundance of zucchini came in, we started pickling it. Nice. And tried a few different recipes and kind of combined them. 
some of the spices from one and some of the liquid base from another and kind of combine it that way. Mm -hmm. And we're satisfied. People are loving it. Mm -hmm. And then while I was here, you turned me on to uh, zucchini chips. Oh, yes. Tell me about that. You told me you tried that. How'd it go? Yes. So I filled a dehydrator, nine trays worth, uh, Uh three or four zucchinis that couple days after. Of course, you can eat that all in like three days by yourself. Uh, Yes. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, to be honest, salt, pepper, garlic. Yeah as addicting as potato chips absolutely yes Yes. i mean i i can like literally rip through it and it's funny because anytime i have somebody here uh to do a dinner the dinner table talks and we're cooking and all of that i almost always pull out either that or kale chips or the Mm -hmm. jajiki i learned how to pronounce that more correctly jajiki sauce with the cucumbers in it but the i i watch people with those um chips the Mm -hmm. zucchini chips one bite oh yeah mm, that's tasty and then, and then, and then, and then the hand stop. just keeps going in a hand keeps <laughs> yeah. going in. So uh, yeah, they, that's been a good one. Yeah. Well, to, to hold the, the seasoning on the zucchini, we used uh, coconut oil uh-huh. and I think that added a lot of sweet taste to it, yep. but it could have just been the natural sugars. Yeah. All the liquid yeah. got dehydrated. Zucchini is a sweet thing it and it really, sweet. yeah, tastes good. I, I had a, Palermo white zucchini, a big, nice one of those that had hidden from me. Mm -hmm. And so I used it and it had this time of year, the rinds on everything starts getting really thick. And these had some really thick rinds, but Mm -hmm. even still with my mandolin, they chopped thin and it was actually kind of nice, the little crunch on the edge of the, you know, and as long as you get it super dry. And part of the reason we were talking about this, um, uh, a few weeks back, Um, when we were trying this out, uh, with another guest at the dinner table and why, why do we put all the preservatives? Why can't we just make things? And I'm like, one day later, I'm eating the zucchini chips that were sitting in the bowl that Mm -hmm. were left out from the night before. And I, and I'm like, this is why they put preservatives in things because yesterday these were crispy and hard. And today these are like soft and gummy. Uh Well then while I was making it, you messaged me to make sure I keep them in an airtight container. And I guess that's why. Yeah. Absolutely. Make sure because what ends up happening is, is that if I, so like, say I've got the dehydrator running and I'm going to sit down with somebody to record the podcast and I run over there and turn the dehydrator off, forget to turn it back on again. Mm -hmm. I might as well start all over again with the dehydration. Well, if you think about that, you're still cooking. I mean, for the most part, you might like when I do my herbs, I'm down to like 90, I'm putting it to the lowest temperature, 95. So it's not really cooking, but when you're doing any kind of vegetables, you have to do it a higher temperature than 95, anything higher than 95 degrees and you're cooking it, which by the way, temperature gets you guys anything above 95 degrees and we're cooking it now yes. so know that you are being cooked out there yes our farm is brown we're an hour inland from the coast uh-huh. and so left the farm it was 114 Holy degrees moly i showed up i opened the door oh it's kind of cool here it's, it's nicer here <laughs> yes. it's 96 degrees yeah. we're on the water <laughs> i so often say that about here where i am mm-hmm. taft i'm just close enough to the uh coast that i get a nice coastal breeze we've got a lot of trees out here and so um just it just feels cooler here and i can mm-hmm. go work now not in the middle of the day but you know, in the after, in the late afternoon, I find a little place in my garden where I've really built up a lot of shade around me, you know, I've grown sunflowers or whatever. And it's actually kind of pleasant. It's not horrible. And I know I'm (laughs) saying that and I'm out in the sun all the time and whatever, but for the general population, there might not be, but then I'll go to walk inside in the air conditioner. And I'm telling you, I keep my air conditioner set real high, like 75, 76, 77 <laughs> sometimes, you know. Oh, we're 78 for the most there part. There you go. See? And then you walk inside, you still feel like you walked into a refrigerator yes. because you've been outside in the heat so long. Yeah. So our temperature gauges, the people like us that work outside all the time, are completely different than yes. people that work inside all the time. Correct. Yeah. And then sometimes I have a walk-in freezer. I walk in there, my f- clothes freeze to me. It You're, feels like <laughs> I'm sure because you get that's bad. I mean, I find myself, and I'm sure you do too. Where you like go, you're outside, you're doing all the things, and then you come inside and you want to like sit down and you're literally like sopping wet. You might as yes. well just go take all your clothes off and start over again. Yes, <laughs> and hang them outside. Yeah. Anything you get inside is either if yeah. it's fabric, it's going to stink or leave yeah. a stain. It's yeah. that wet. Yeah, exactly. Speaking of this heat that we're talking about us raising rabbits, you raising rabbits and being in the 
high heat that we deal with down here in South Texas, um, that's a huge factor in everything about raising rabbits. And um, I was curious to know how the summer is going so far. Your first, well, this is not technically your first summer, Our right? Second you're sort of, summer. So you you were young. You're, you're you had young rabbits last. Yes. Um, well, I mean, they were past what a meat processing age, but they weren't to breeding age yet. Got it. Um, mine have just reached breeding age. Okay. Mine were born in December. Yes. So, but yeah. I mean, as every rabbit breeder knows, the rabbits go sterile in this amount of heat. So uh -huh. you got a few months, uh, but it's been hard this year compared to last. I mean, last year we did have one, for sure, one casualty because mm -hmm. I did have to get a new buck. But then this year, I mean, hitting 110 guaranteed every single day, some days mm -hmm. up to 115. That's crazy heat, man. It's, yeah, it's, it's, it's a sad reality of, of uh -huh. it. And it's, it hurts to keep doing and going, but I mean, they do produce down here. It's just an odd mm -hmm. little window of, or a month long of this heat wave that we're transitioning through. And we've had for sure a good handful of fatalities and that's, we're taking every pre-measure we can. Um, mm -hmm. I, um, I think for me, what I've seen or what, what's so shocking about this weather is that we had such a nice spring that yes. it just went from boom to boom. I mean, just like significant change in heat. And, um, hopefully while I'm out there on the road traveling, it, it's gonna, we're gonna have maybe a milder August after this crazy hot, uh, June that we started off with, mm -hmm. but I, I don't count on it. Rabbits go sterile in this heat. So they go, as I understand it, they go sterile. The males go sterile at about 85 degrees, right? Once you hit that temperature. That or... sounds close to accurate. I mm -hmm. know in the spring I was still breeding and mm -hmm. we were above 85 degrees. Uh -huh. um, my population per litter went way down. Uh -huh. As I was in the winter, I could pull 10 to 12 off with uh -huh. one, one litter. And I think all three that I, my last three I bred were all two, two and two. Yeah. Um, no, I had one that had some two, two and extras, only two survived. Uh -huh. They didn't make it past a few hours. I forget why. Uh -huh. uh, so it might just be not even only that it's that they're not breeding, but that like the babies and the moms can't make it in yes, heat too. It's hard. So, and being what we're going through right now, mm -hmm. looking at future forecasting, I'm going to kind of back backwards count uh, mm -hmm. on breeding. So we like to raise them for 10 to 12 weeks. And I'm having a cutoff. I want all my meat ones processed by June 1st. Okay. So I'm going 10 weeks before that and then 32 day gestation. So then breed whatever date that is. Okay. And that's how I'm going to do it. You're not as warm as I am, even though we're but still, in the same yeah. area. Uh, so you might be able to take it another month further, maybe call yours July 1st, have all your meat rabbits processed. It's pretty freaking hot out there. It I is. see those, I see those bunnies and I, and I actually go out and check on them a couple times a day just mm -hmm. to like, and I'm always like, every time I walk up to the coop, I'm just like, everybody's doing good. Right. Everybody. I see all the ears are pricked. Okay, good. Uh -huh. All it's, right. Uh, hi everybody. And it's funny because I didn't think they were like, they were so skittish from me. And now they come right up. They're like, mm -hmm. and there's some of them that don't want to be pet at all. As soon as I start touching them, they start freaking out. But there's others that are just like, super they're friendly it's yes. kind of strange to me it surprises me yeah. that they're um but i'm out there watching all the time for this whole process of um what is this first summer going to look like for us but we have so we put ours inside the chicken coop and then inside uh, the chicken coop is a huge massive uh shade mesquite tree that covers over the entire thing and then i also have other types of shading element in my backyard um to and you know place you get a nice wind stream a coast the perfect like wind stream comes through there um but they look like they don't look like they're miserable but you can tell they're like yeah. dang it's hot like yeah. we're really hot well, it's like <laughs> us if we were going to to go sit outside all day and yeah we wouldn't enjoy it no <laughs> for like, sure dang it's but yeah for me here. i have i have box fans on each of mine uh -huh. um 
I mean, we're windy out there. Some days we but just have. But it's a hot wind, though, yes. right? Yeah. Uh, so some days we don't need it, but I've come to the point I'm turning it on every day. Uh, so I think we have one box fan per two cages. And then come noon till five o'clock, I'm trying to spray them down with the water hose at two, at least two times, maybe more. Um, and then some days I have just little cheap Tupperwares that I put water in and freeze them. And then I'm giving them a one quart or so amount of ice. Mm-hmm. And then they could either lay on that. They could eat that. Uh-huh. Uh, it'll last oh, about an hour or so before it's all melted away. I should and probably then, do that even though, yeah. even though mine seemed to be okay. That would yep. be a, And then the chickens lay under the, the dripping course. ice. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. I can see that. That's a good idea. I think I'll do some of that freezing that ice like you talked about before mm-hmm. ice freezing for them. And then, okay. So you, I told you that I was interested in taking up rabbits or I think maybe you heard it on the podcast. I don't even know. You, you yes. knew that I was interested in, in taking up rabbits. I think you were uh, sitting next to me at the market. You had a booth that week yes. and we were just chit chatting. Yeah. Perfect. And okay. Here, tell me what you know. And you're like, well, the first thing you need to know is this, Dr. Luke Fire. <laughs> yes. Well, and, he's the creator for the best breed option we have, which is really just a cross of mm-hmm. seven breeds. Um, it's called the it's, Tamuk, Tamuk, which is Texas A&M University Kingsville composite. Yes. Right? Yeah. Because that's where he was uh, doing all his teachings. And he's taken this rabbit all across the world. Um, mm-hmm. A lot of third world countries, done a lot of projects with bringing a fresh fast producing quick cycle means protein. of protein mm-hmm. to these third world countries. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I'm so reading it, his book actually. I've, uh-huh. I've been reading chunks of it and have been, and have read um, a big portion of it, especially the part where he's talking about getting it to other countries and stuff yes. like that. So, yeah, but you were, yeah, you were telling, uh, saying you wanted rabbits and you wanted this specific breed. breed. And I'm like, well, I have that breed. And then you're, yeah. Oh yeah, we got to travel like, North of I ten, yeah, it was like two and a half Tom hours Ball. away, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, whoa, really? no. I know the guy. <laughs> yeah. we're, we're friends with him. You can yeah. ask him all the questions. He created this, yeah. and then let's go get you some rabbits locally. Yeah, so I got a chance to go over and meet him and pick those up. And um, he, you know, he talked about things like their um, their pads or their feet are extra thick, yes, and so that they can handle basically being in a cage right correct yeah Uh, and then i mean we put ours on the ground uh to move them Mm -hmm. in the field i don't think he did too much of that Mm -hmm. uh i want to do that too yeah he was focused on i guess the production and the breeding Mm -hmm. for sure um but then the ears being extra large Uh just because that's how rabbits mostly displace their heat is through Uh their ears Uh uh-huh so like That's jackrabbits have really tall ears. They live in the desert, you yes. know, that kind of thing. So this is the same concept. These rabbits have bigger ears. They're not flop-eared. Uh-huh. And they have high prick rat ears. Um, they also have, what, a thinner hair coat? A thinner coat? Yes, thinner coats. Uh, and he gave us a bunch of pelts recently. Uh-huh. And he was showing us the difference, even just a winter-born and a spring or summer-born uh-huh. rabbit, just the thickness of uh, the leather or the coat that they have on them. And it's, it's noticeable for sure. So we go over there and he's flipping these rabbits over and he's showing us how to tell whether there's male or female, which by the way, I'm going to have to know a lot more learning about that (laughs) before. I still don't even know that I have a good able to Uh like grab them up and have a handful and like turn them over. Of course, those were young rabbits. They're not these big giant rabbits like what, what I have now. It's funny, but get on any facebook rabbit group uh-huh. and that's the most popular picture oh. is, is this a doe or is this a buck i'm sure <laughs> it's the same thing that they ask with chickens it's just with chickens nobody knows where their parts actually yes. are <laughs> like, no, unless knows. you process them right and, yeah. <laughs> you're like i know where their parts are <laughs> okay and so then uh a, a few weeks after we were supposed to meet and talk i went over there and we processed together. You know, yes. I think we did like nine rabbits together and that was definitely an experience for me. And, mm-hmm. um, and so tell me, tell us how the whole process goes down and I have a lot more to learn. <laughs> <laughs> 
it's quite simple when you're coming in off of larger animals for sure mm-hmm. uh, as i've done i've done many chickens and uh, turkeys ourselves we take the cows to get done mm-hmm. uh, elsewhere but just coming off of that i don't have to it's for sure not something i'm scheduling a whole day to do right. a few hundred chickens i could knock out some rabbits in a few hours mm-hmm. um to me it's easy i'm still learning all the intricacies of it mm-hmm. uh they're small so it's a lot more detailed i think but it's a simple process um you have to kill them that's yes. part of the process <laughs> doing that yeah. it's that's the part i wasn't you, feeling yeah. like yeah. you know and it wasn't that i it wasn't that i was feeling bad about killing them it was about doing it right yes. because if you don't do it right it, it's not fun luckily not not that any of it's fun but you know what i mean luckily it's not uh how most animals are done you kind of bleed them out this you're kind of oh i don't know all the technicals for it but you're kind of incapacitating the rabbit you're taking the brain stem away i guess Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. so he's not really feeling anything you do that before you bleed them out Mm -hmm. and so we're able to i guess knock them out in a sense and then hang them up, bleed them out. And they're really not feeling much. And it's funny by the time we do the whole process, get them in ice, they're still, their muscles are still twitching. Totally. That was weird. But I can tell you that I never had, I never, even still to this day, I've never, I never had a, like a sick feeling about it. I never had a, like, I can't do this feeling about it. It just, it's a learn, it's a process of learning and being Mm -hmm. careful that I don't hurt myself while I'm doing it you know, that kind of thing. But like, there's a, a, a like you, you feel a warmth, warmth of, of them, a thing that's alive, you know, that, that it's, it's parts are there. Yes. Um, but it, it, it doesn't, it, I was really surprised and I'm sure that you have not sure. I know that you have a lot more experience with that because you've talked about wild game hunting and things like that. And then of course the rabbits and the, sorry, the chickens and the turkeys that you do all the time. Mm -hmm. Um, But it is interesting because uh, I mean, like sticking my hand down in the cavity of, of a rabbit and pulling out its heart and its lungs and its liver and its bowels and all of that kind of stuff and then cutting around parts inside of it it doesn't it doesn't feel like a life once you get to that point it feels like what it is which is Mm -hmm. you're harvesting dinner yeah no it totally did and i'm so i was really surprised i was curious to see how i would feel when i got there and started really messing with it and how Mm -hmm. would that actually make me feel um, I still have the process of doing it myself once I get to that point. And I still think that I, I and I'll be curious to see, because when this occurs here for me, I'm going to be doing it with my dad and he's going to be you know, mm-hmm. showing me what he knows about doing it and all that kind of stuff. We'll go through a whole process and I'll get to update everybody on how, you know, we handled it. But um, there's a, there's a technique that people use where they've got this V shaped board where they basically slide the rabbit's head and then they kind of just, you just pull down and it just separates. Like you said, it separates the spinal cord, you know, and then at that point you have to, to take them out. But um, not sawing. I think that, you know, like I saw like me, like I was sawing and I was just like, Oh God, that made me feel uncomfortable. Like bones and joints. Yeah. I don't typically saw, I think I'm no. more just kind of push and you just got to find that correct. I mean, every, you think of a spine or think of knees, it's not really one bone going from your thigh to your calf. It's, mm-hmm. there's this shape in there. If you, you get the knife in there just correctly, you could pop it out with kind of just pushing a blade. You yeah. really don't have to saw or do anything else. Yeah. And then. It's, Finding those like, like, okay, you got to cut, you got to take their feet off, you mm-hmm. know, um, you've got to take their skin off, you know, it's all, all these different parts. You have to, um, you know, the male is different than the female, the way they're, mm-hmm. the way their parts are all laid out. And then you wanted to save the hearts and the liver, right? The hearts and the liver. Mm-hmm. Customers uh, ask for that or people ask for that? Is that? Yes. A lot mm-hmm. of people eat the, that's probably the most popular organ meat for and if we're raising these rabbits, we're processing, we're doing all this stuff, and we're trying to find good quality protein at an inexpensive price, but that is also well-fed so that it makes us feel good, food is medicine concept, 
what is it that we're feeding these animals and how are we keeping them well so that we can, you know, eat well, well food. You and I are some of the luckier people raising rabbits. Uh, most people doing it, save for fairs or something, don't have this plethora of a garden and vegetables yeah. uh, growing around. So really anytime you're harvesting, at least for me, and I'm picking out what I'm not going to sell, mm -hmm. uh, used to go the chickens or Mm -hmm. us and now it's i mean us and the rabbits <laughs> right the chickens are already free range so they're just going to go get mm -hmm. their own um mm -hmm. but yeah it, now it's and then we're kind of vegetables to the rabbits we're supplementing them with the with some grain pellets yes we're doing that as well yes. um i'm feeding my rabbits a lot of uh grass that i pull like when I'm weeding and mm -hmm. they oh and they love it i mean they, they just love it then you also have um uh, rabbit tractors basically correct for the for the meat rat with the babies yes right? once once we could wean them at four weeks old get them off mama's milk then they go into rabbit tractors so they're moving just like our chickens they're mm -hmm. usually daily moves to a new spot of fresh grass mm -hmm. and they just dig around and eat and how do they get how does the grass get up in between this is one of the questions my dad had when we were talking uh -huh. about building it he's like how does the grass grow up in between how do they get to the grass you know all yes that. well they're very talented, <laughs> they're very talented. <laughs> you, you'd be surprised um uh -huh. so i've heard i mean you got to have some kind of floor because they will dig out quicker, right quicker than anything i've uh -huh. caught them a good hundred yards away from their house before uh i had a customer how do he's, you catch them run around for a long time <laughs> uh, i'd be like screw that rabbit <laughs> like, i hope you're coyote meat <laughs> yeah uh, but i had a customer at the farm and we're just talking we already kind of got his order together and uh he's looking out to the field and what is that i look and that's that's a rabbit <laughs> That's not supposed to be there. So uh, he helped me and we entertained ourselves for 20 minutes trying to catch this rabbit because oh uh, we got some old oil filled remnants on our property and he was in and out of this contraption that had a fence around it. And so uh -huh. we couldn't get to him. We'd yeah. get in and he'd get out and he'd get out and he'd get in and I'm impressed that you had the patience to uh -huh. chase that rabbit, by it, the way. It, it That's took a... a little while and then uh they if if they will bite if they bite they'll it's a hard bite yeah i'm <laughs> their, sure their teeth are small and uh -huh. sharp and they'll go through you pretty quick um and try to pick one of them up there they will throw a back foot at you i mean yes. they are especially those male big male uh-huh man that's... and that's that was my biggest scream from the rabbits is when i caught him he was he thought his life was set he was let go wild and uh -huh. i caught him i didn't hurt him or anything just uh -huh captured him <laughs> he was not happy he had to go back to his cage yeah oh, he's um, like dang it i got yes. away no so they do need some kind of floor uh, uh -huh. we use a we have two styles testing them out a wire a two inch by four inch square wire mm -hmm. and i heard pros and cons to that one of the cons was as you're pulling it it kind of lays down all the grass since uh -huh. the wire is going both directions mm -hmm. so we did one house with long wooden slats uh -huh. and so those go the length of the house that you're pulling direction uh -huh. so as soon as you the front wall goes over the grass the grass between the slats could kind of stand back up okay and then you pull it along and it doesn't have a reason to lay down because the wood is going the same direction you're pulling and uh -huh. so i guess you do lose say 50 percent because it's right. it's the slat and the gap is about the same size about an inch and a half as you're building it. Um, so you do lose some of the grass, but they could access it easier, but I don't think it matters. Um, yeah. I was, uh, they eat the same amount off of the wire floors uh -huh. and the way I'm moving it, um, I'm tall, so I do have plenty of height and I yeah. think you could easily move. They're light enough for me yeah. to move without a, some yeah, kind of you machine. Could, yeah. You could lift it up. How often are you moving them? Daily. Uh-huh. You just yep. walk out there and just slide them forward. Yeah, it takes all of half a minute. Yeah, gotcha. <laughs> it's pretty quick. Gotcha. 
Um, and then your, but then your breeders, they're still, they just stay in. Cause I have, cause I keep thinking about my breeders and I'm like, and mm -hmm. the thing is, is with the breeders, we can't put them together. So you'd have to have individual cages yes. for each individual tractor for each one of the breeders. Um, Correct. right. You can't even put the female breeders together. Could you, all the female breeders, they'd be mean to each other, wouldn't they? I've had them for a year and a half. I still would have to Google it. I don't know. Yeah, yeah no, it's, yeah. it's fine. I mean, that's the hands in the dirt learning part of it. When a, when you put a rabbit and female rabbit in with another female rabbit in and she eats the shit out of the other. Yes. <laughs> something like that. Yep. Anyways, but it's definitely different. Rabbits, rabbits that are breeding age. Um, anyone that knows anything about rabbits, even pet rabbits, it's a mm -hmm. whole different world. A, a female rabbit at a breeding age is a completely different animal than a, um, than a, uh, non or, or, uh, I guess whatever they do to rabbits, they neuter and spay. And I don't even know, I, I don't really have a lot of experience with, um, uh, I don't know either <laughs> with pet rabbits. I don't have a ton of experience with pet rabbits either. So rabbits are a thing. You and I are both studying fully. I have been praying like crazy. All of yep. a sudden I find myself like every time I'm out there, I'm like, good Lord, send us a thunderstorm. <laughs> like send us some rain, please. I'll take it. We and need to cool off. Yep, we're far enough off the coast that I wouldn't mind tropical mm -hmm. storms. <laughs> it gets, I mean, it'll still get windy. There'll be some damages, but I guess not what y'all would get here on the coast so i don't say it too much and too loud but yeah i don't mind well it's gonna be interesting sure. even when this when this episode is out for everybody what we're looking at in terms of storms um we're actually having uh the highest recordable temperature water temperatures the high level water temperature like the mm -hmm. the water where we are at the sea level water temperatures are the highest in recorded history and that is Oh, <laughs> is that is that like the ocean water? Yes, talking about? Okay. yes, exactly. And yep. um, crazy high temperature. So uh -huh. it's going to be interesting to see what all I mean, the thing is, is that conversation about climate change is that like, we can't even deny it anymore, because we're seeing things that we've never seen before that that doesn't mean that it's mm -hmm. whatever people want to say about climate change. It's just different than we've ever seen in our recordable history. So yes, all right, it's time for us to do that random question thing at the end. And I actually let you pull a card out and let's see where we Oh, this is fun. I already know the answer to this one for <laughs> you. Now I'm curious to see what you say. Do you ever cheat when playing games? Do you play games? I do. What kind of games? Uh, I'd say mostly board, card, or domino games. You play dominoes? I do. Gr yeah. Growing up, I did uh -huh. with my grandma a yeah. number of times. I yeah. haven't in a while, yeah. but I'm all game for grabbing a set of dominoes and having a good game of chicken foot, or there's some others that yeah. I've not played. I'm a big that, game player. Yeah. I, like, I don't... I, I, I have played games chicken foot and dominoes and my grandmother 42 you know all that kind of stuff you know uh -huh. all that and my family likes to play games and joe loved to play games so that was kind of a thing we did a little bit of but i'm just not a huge game player yeah yeah i mean i'm not chasing it but i enjoy to sit down if i'm somewhere else and play yeah. some games yeah do i cheat uh no generally I not um, i was like i already know the answer <laughs> about andrew andrew's not a cheater yep. <laughs> uh if there's a game that's going to take a while uh-huh do i want to curve the <laughs> rules that way it ends at least in two hours and not two days like say, monopoly yes monopoly <laughs> i'll curve the rules for the whole group not just me yeah um let's change something up so we're not here for 48 hours but now i'm not generally cheating yeah <laughs> i don't have a cheater like I, i'm trying to think of i don't even i wasn't even the kind of kid that like cheated when it came to like school things and it just I don't know. I'm always afraid I'm going to get caught. And uh -huh. then, and then I feel bad. Cause I'm like, at the end of the day, it's just a game who yeah. cheats at a game, <laughs> you know, like yeah. that's a different kind of person that, you know, not, not to be judgy, but that's a different kind of person yes. than I am. Somebody that cheats at a game. I think the only one that's, you mentioned school and made me think of a game that we used to play. Um, everyone knows about it. Uno. Oh yeah. That one. I'm good at Uno, by yes. the way. I'm very good at Uno. <laughs> that one, I don't know if it's considered cheating, but you just try to see how many plus twos and plus fours uh -huh. you can rack up in a row. Uh -huh. And so yeah. it's more seeing how devious you could get there versus cheating. But that's a fun one to bend the rules. Yeah. For sure. Yeah, I'm a new that of all the games, that was the one that my family figured out that they could get me to the table to play. And we used to have a running like chart 
that was like the Uno games. And whenever we'd get, of course, when the kids started peeling off to college, whenever we'd get kids back, all the kids back home, we'd be like, okay, we got to play at least one Uno game so we can get along. And I ended up winning the game and actually never got paid for my win. I was supposed to get paid for my win. Um, but yeah, we did. I mean, that's, you know, that's part of where the dinner table talk uh, podcast came from was the idea of having the whole family at the dinner table, you know, playing games, talking about things, you know, that kind of thing. And so, um, yeah, we're big game players as well. It's fun. Andrew, thank you so much for being amazing and patient and talking to us and teaching me things as I teach you things. And we share a lot of information as supporters of one another. Oh, that's what this community is about. It's not, we're not about being competitors. Let's, Mm -mm. Let's be friends and do it better and use each other's greatnesses and let's make it all better as an experience for everyone else. Absolutely. I mean, we're kind of food providers. Yep. And we're interconnected with that and building that network and being like, I love that. That was, that was the biggest, most, probably the most important thing to me of all the things. Yes. Yes. I have to start a food network and we want to provide affordable access to food for people. But within the network, we have good vibes and we take care of each other. And that was like my number one thing. And I know that sometimes that gets a little bit challenging in the farmer's market world and the whole politics of the farmer's market world. So mm-hmm. thank you for standing by that as well as another farmer that um, wants to share, because at the end of the day, we're going to be the ones that are going to help to feed people if there's ever any kind of a major crisis. Yes. And, um, and we have fed people when there's been crises yeah. before. So I would uh, for sure say that my I don't call them competitors, my friends, my mm-hmm. most direct or most closest uh, sales style or what we're selling. Mm-hmm. I communicate with the most kind of, mm-hmm. and it's, I mean, it I could see be, you guys promoting each other and I yeah, love that. I, and it could be just yeah. random, like, Hey, did you ever think about doing this like mm-hmm. this and send a picture mm-hmm. or, Hey, I got this tool. It's so far out there you probably don't need the use to buy it i ended up on one very very dirt cheap yeah here borrow it for a little bit and see whether you like it or not i mean we're doing the same kind of co-op style yeah we're doing the same kind of projects Mm -hmm. uh let's buy one specialty tool and share it about yes Yes, that's solid. I love that. So thank you so much for being you and for being here and for enjoying dinner with me and coming and talking on the podcast and being a listener too. You've been a listener. You've always talked to me over the years about Mm -hmm. things you've heard on the podcast. So I'm grateful for that. Thank you so much. No problem. Thank you for having me. Thank you guys again for being at the dinner table and showing up week after week. You are the greatest asset to any podcast to have some an audience that wants to hear from local farmers, that wants to hear from local chefs, that wants to hear from, you know, really anybody that wants to come to the dinner table and, and have a chit chat with me and enjoy ourselves. So I'm thankful to you guys. If you want to be on the podcast, send me a DM. Let's talk about it. I'd love to have anybody come and have dinner with me. We can have a nice meal together and then talk about whatever's going on in your world. I'm looking forward to that. Also, if you're listening to this on YouTube, please subscribe to the channel. That helps me increase my followers on the channel and makes that a little bit of an easier stream to continue to put more things out. And then also, if you want to support the podcast, go to dinnertabletalks.com and click support the podcast right up there at the top. And it gives you an opportunity to throw a few bucks at, um, this is one of my main streams of, um, of, content creation and finances as well as uh, all the other things that I do out here at the farm. So if you want to support small farms doing the things that they're trying to do and people that are trying to create regenerative agriculture and trying to create affordable access to food, this is an opportunity for you to support uh, the work that I'm doing and the people that I'm communicating with. Thank you all so much. I'll see you again on another week. (music) 